Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you folks. We always consider it an honor to come across your airways, your radios, and be able to talk to you about the Book of Psalms, these Songs in the Night, this series we've been doing. With me as always, my friend, my cohort in podcast crime, Stephanie Wesco. So Stephanie, it's a Friday. I love Fridays. And uh, what does the usual Friday look like to you? Crazy. Um, <laughs> I have kids in speech therapy on Fridays. I have kids I have to take to work. Um, so it's it's a pretty insane um, time frame. Um, but this Friday, on top of all of that, I have violin rep uh, when the school comes together for practice and lessons. And I also have Daniel's birthday party. So this Friday is insane. Wow. So we got Daniel and Samuel's birthdays coming up. As a matter of fact, I'm shopping for them today or tomorrow at the outlets up the road here, man. And uh, wow, it's coming up. We're going to be celebrating birthdays around here and and someone else's birthday is coming up, which we dare not mention. So we're not going to mention it. And, That's right. And uh, we're going to move along and make believe there is no birthday uh, for yeah, the other so person. Yeah. What, is, what are we? Are we around the six zero? Do so, we do we have to I even think, get into any of that stuff, or is there a necessity no, for that? No, we can move along. Well, so. I think I think we move along. So, <laughs> you, you know, you might be a knucklehead if you bring up the birthday I just said we dare not talk about. No, <laughs> no, uh, uh, you, you might be a knucklehead, and I've given this one some serious thought that if you're married or uh, and all and you badmouth your spouse to other people. You might be a knucklehead. You should never have anything bad to say about your spouse to anyone else, uh, except maybe your biblical counselor. There's no need for that. You should encourage, exhort, lift up. Uh, so, and if someone's doing that to you, one of your spouse, uh, one of you are listening, if your spouse is doing that, talk to them. It's never right to do that. We should always encourage and try to make others look good. And I think that's where that one's at. And then we're doing hymns, hymns that are right with God and, uh, so this is Stephanie's segment involving hymns, and she's talking about hymns and how they've touched her and stuff. We know that she's the music woman. So music woman, give us a hymn that's right with God. <laughs> well, I'm going to go today with the song, um, A Child of the King. My father's rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the worlds in his hands. And that song became very precious to me as we began down the whole road of deputation. And um, I began, you know, the purging process, the moving process, the shipping um, things across the world. And that whole process of moving to Cameroon, um, that, that hymn was very precious because one of the verses says, A tentra cottage, why should I care? He's building a mansion for me over there. Though though exiled from home, yet still I may sing of glory to God. I'm a child of the king. And um, there were times at deputation where um, I had no idea 
where were we going to be parked that night? I had no idea what stores were going to be around as far as for food or whatever the case was. You're like, is the next church love offering going to cover this week's expenses or help with them? And so many aspects. And that song always reminded me that no matter what else was going on, Jesus was right there. I was his child. I could come to him. And um, when we had to evacuate and we lost virtually everything, that song became precious, knowing that I was his, he was mine, and no matter what happened, he was right there with me, and he was my loving Heavenly Father who was never going to leave or forsake me. So that's that's the hymn for today, A Child of the King. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I'm a child of the King. And I hope you're a child of the King who are listening. Great hymn. Uh, I love that hymn. I love it. I love the way uh, I've heard it on the radio and things of that nature. And, uh, uh, wow, it's just music the way music should be, you know that? And, uh, yeah. uh, I, I believe that, but anyway, thanks for sharing that with us. And, uh, that's pretty great. So anyway, we've been going through the book of Psalms, these songs of the night. Yesterday we talked about 141, obviously the day before 140, then the two days previous to that, we were in 139. So we're wrapping up the week in 142. And this is a, the last psalm that's attributed to David's years trying to flee from Saul and everything going on with that. So there's so much craziness going on in his life, Stephanie, and it kind of matches the craziness going on in our lives. And uh, it's just, you know, he's, he's dealing with danger and depression. And, you know, sometimes when you're going through craziness, you almost feel abandoned. Abandoned's a tough word, Stephanie. You know, when you, yeah. when the word abandon is used in your vocabulary, that's like saying, man, you know, I'm out here all alone and, and boy, don't, don't those of us who've been through trials, who, who've been through this world upside down, don't some of us who've lived that life feel abandoned at times, but God always reminds us as he did back in Psalm 139, that his light is always around us, that he's always with us, his hand is always on us and we seek God's hand. We want God's hand on us. We want to live that. And as long as we're not in sin, we're saved. God's hand is on us unless we go outside his will. And here we are, Psalm 142. Again, the psalmist David is in this one. And he said, I cried in verse number one. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication and uh, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed him before him my trouble. He showed it to him. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I look at my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Bible says, no man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in my land of the living. Attend unto my cry. I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. Thy righteous shall compass me about. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. So continuing on that theme, Stephanie, continuing on trying to get away from Saul and, 
and Saul's lieutenants and henchmen and those out to get David. Continuing on with them, we see Psalm 142 starting off crying out to the Lord, praying to the Lord. I mean, what is what is talking to you there in Psalm 142? Well, again, I see that spirit of brokenness and humility and living out the command to cast thy burden upon the Lord. And David's claiming the promise here that he's in a cave. You know, he's in a very dark place when he wrote this. He he compares his soul to being in prison. He's battling despair. He's battling depression. He's battling confusion. And um, he's in that low place. You know, he's in that place of Peter, and he's sinking beneath the waves. And this psalm, to sum it up in two words, is him saying, Lord, help. And... Um, you know, I think any Christian who has been through a trial has been in this place. And any Christian who's been through, anybody who's been through betrayal knows what it feels like to be in that place where David, David's betrayed here. He says in verse four, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. In other words, people that I thought were my friends, people that I thought I could trust, people that I thought, man, I could go to when I was, when I was struggling. And they, they don't even want to be associated with me. They they believe the lies. They believe um, what has been said about me. And I feel like I have no refuge here. And he says, no man cared for my soul. In other words, I have nobody. And David knew what this felt like so many times. And I look in verse 5 and I see, again, a time when David, you know, when David um, went through the whole trial at Ziklag when him and his men were gone and, and enemies came in and captured all their women and children and, and burned Ziklag to the ground. And David's own men were ready to stone him to death. They were blaming him. They were hurting. They were in pain. And, you know, sometimes when people are in pain, they lash out at the people that they know love them the most. And um, that's what happened in that case. And they were ready to stone David and David, the Bible says that David encouraged his heart in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And this is another time when David's in this cave where in verse 4, we see the, the low level he's at. In verse 5, he says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. And again, David is encouraging himself in the Lord. And, you know, there are going to be people who hate us people that we invest in. Yeah. Um, and I know you've experienced this. I know I've experienced this prior to and since working in, in the Wounded Spirits Ministry where people we sacrifice for, people we we literally invest our heart and soul in, people that we trust that betray us, that turn on us, that, <laughs> that want to use us. And when they're done using us, they chew us up and spit us out. And yet they expect us to be at their disposal still. And David knew what that felt like. And he came to that place of verse 5 where he says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. And then verse 6, he says, attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. And, you know, those people seem to be emboldened as they as they hurt us. I've never understood how people can be so evil. That as they see the pain they're inflicting, instead of it bringing them to a place of, I can't believe I just did that to someone. I can't believe I just treated them so bad. That hurt empowers them to do worse. 
Yeah. And it happens. And that's what David is experiencing. And yet in verse 7, he says, bring my soul out of prison. He's coming boldly before the throne of grace as Paul as Paul encourages us to do let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find mercy and help in time of need that is what David is doing in verse 7 he says Lord bring my soul out of prison that I he doesn't say so that my name's justified so that everything's unky dory though I'm sure that's that's always that's part of our human nature to ask God for deliverance but his main purpose is that I may praise thy name. Lord, would you bring my soul out of prison that you would be glorified? Would you be praised? And then he says, the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. In that second half of that verse, David's struggling. He's in the cave, okay? He writes verse 7. His location hasn't moved. His status hasn't changed as far as what's happening to them. But at the end of the psalm, he comes to victory. He comes to that place of faith where he's, Jesus has drawn, Jesus has heard that cry, like he heard Peter's cry when he was sinking on the waves of, Lord, save me, Lord, help me. And Jehovah God is lifting David up as we come to the end of this psalm, and, and David's in that place of victory saying, Lord, you are going to deal bountifully with me. God, you are my rock, you are my salvation, and I, he's back walking on the water. He is back in victory, knowing that through Christ, because of Christ, because of who he is, because of his promises being true, he knows that God is in control. And he knows that even though he may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he does not need to fear evil because the Lord is with him and the Lord is going to take care of him. And there it is right there. And you know, you feel, I think David almost feels, we've all been there, we almost feel like you're in prison. You're a fugitive. Yeah. You're in a cave somewhere. You're upside. I mean, David's been running. And I mean, yeah. you feel all these things. And whenever I read these Psalms together and, and, you know, and I put the sum of them together, I keep on going back to thinking that in our times of greatest refuge, of our greatest running, in our times of greatest hurt, uh, I can't tell you how many gentlemen, how many ladies I've spoke to that have come through terrible relationships and you know, and never made it to marriage or whatever. And then they'll tell me a couple of years later, it was during that time of refuge, during that time where I felt like in a, I was in a cave, during that time when I felt like I was on a shelf, that God prepared me for the next thing in my life. And, yeah. and, and what God's doing is he's preparing David, the prophet, David, the king, right now through these times in the book of Psalms. He's dealing with Saul. There's those people out to get him, but God had something bigger for David. And he's using all this craziness, Stephanie, all this wickedness, all these things in his life, you know, God's going to use to his advantage. So he hears David's prayers. He, he, he knows our circumstances. He knows our needs. And we're seeing that over and over again in Psalm 142. But, but knowing all that, his rescue to us, sometimes it's just keeping us alive. Sometimes it's just getting us through a day, but we're in preparation mode. As long as we're not laying down on the job, as long as we stay in God's word when we're in the cave, as long as we're praying to God when we're in the cave, as long as we're doing the job that God has us to do, we're going to come out. 
And God has prepared us for that next thing in our life. I mean, when you were coming back from Cameroon and, and you were coming back, I mean, you guys raised support for years to be missionaries in Cameroon. And, and boy, your life probably felt upside down. But those months, those intermitting months, those months from, you know, November, and really you lost November to a funeral memorial service craziness, your probably feet didn't hit the ground until January when you're living in your own house. And, and then we meet up in March or April. Then by May or June, you've decided that I need to be a missionary people that are hurting. So those six months, if you were to say that, you know, uh -huh. that, that, that January through May, really, because in June you, you were serving ladies and things like that. Those were bad months. You probably felt like you were in a cave. I know you told me you felt like you were drowning. You wrote in your book, you... Uh, you know, you were, if it wasn't for the kids, you would have been suicidal. You were depressed. You were all that. But from that, from that period, from the craziness, from the, the wickedness, uh, you came out the other end to serve God in a more mighty way, in a better way uh, than you could have imagined, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I pray so. <laughs> um I think it's coming to that point. I think that's why Ecclesiastes 3, 11 became precious. Um, realizing that God's made a promise. He makes all things beautiful in his time. And, and Solomon, David's son, would write that. David didn't have that promise to look to. He didn't have the Psalms. He just had God. And we are so blessed to have these Psalms, to have the promises of God's word at our fingertips that David did not, not, did not have. But coming to that point of realizing like Job had to that we're going through a refiner's fire. David was going through a refiner's fire. God was creating him to be the king, next king of Israel. God was creating him. Um, he was forming him. He was fashioning him through this, through these trials he was going through being hunted by his father-in-law. <laughs> um, God was shaping David to be the king who would be after his own heart to be the psalmist. David didn't realize when he was writing these psalms that they were inspired. I don't believe he knew that. But God was using him even in the midst of his trial, even in that cave, because God knew what David's heart was. He knew where his, where his, what his end goal was. And I remember saying, saying to the Lord during yeah. those months. Yeah. And I didn't understand why he was done with me, why he had put me on the shelf. Because mm. it made no sense. Yeah. And I remember asking him, God, please, please don't leave me here. And I am so thankful. You know, there's, there's just this morning I was struggling with something and it was like the Lord said, Stephanie, will you trust me for it? Will you trust me that I'm good? And to come to that point over and over saying, God, you are faithful. You are enough. And that's by faith. It's not by feelings. But to know that God, God is still God. He is. And is what David had to realize is no matter where he was, no matter what cave, what prison he was in, God is still God. And if we will trust God to be God, then we open that door to let him show himself faithful and to do those great and mighty things. He says, call unto me, Jeremiah, he says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And that's what David was living out here 
in Psalm 142. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, I think people can take heart, you know, that, that there's going to be times in the cave, there's going to be times where you're, uh, you know, where you're in your office, just studying the word of God and trust in him. You're in your campus room at college, you're in wherever it may be. There's those times, but those times, you know, some people look at those while I'm sitting in a waiting room and God's waiting room and I'm doing nothing. I'm just waiting to die. And if you're not sick, you're not doing anything. You're in God's word. You're learning, you're growing. You're preparing for that next relationship or that next mission God has for you. And, and you're preparing, uh, for whatever that may be. And you're going to be better than you were last time. You're going to come out at the ministry is going to be greater because God doesn't leave us where we're at. We just get better. And, uh, you know, and not because of us, but because God allows us to grow, to get outside of our borders, to, to, to be bigger, to be better, to, to do those types of things. And, and I think, I think more than anything, folks, if you're hurting out there today, if you're listening to us and you feel like you're in that prison, you feel like you're locked down by your oppressors, you feel like you're doing things. Sometimes you just need to get away. Sometimes you just, you know, I was talking to a dear friend yesterday and boy, he's been through the fire. You know, a man I've known for years and and uh, he's been through the fire and, you know, a bad relationship, a bad everything. He wound up moving to uh, where this lady was at, he's in love with, she's long gone with another guy, his life's upside down and He's got a ministry opportunity and different things like that. And we spent a good hour on the phone yesterday as this man drove across the country. And as I talked to him and it hit me that everything he went through had prepared him for the offer he just got to serve God. And there's another lady coming into his life. And this is what he said to me. And I was impressed by this. He said, Brother Doug, I'm not taking this for granted. I'm not moving fast. I'm making sure that this is right because I can't take a chance on hurting my relationship with God. And so we come out of these caves. We come out of these things. We, we, we just do those things. You know, Jeremiah in chapter 51 said, uh, and, and you know, of the Lord, my people go ye out of the midst of her and deliver ye every man his soul for the fierce anger of the Lord. Get out there and lead people to the Lord and make a difference. Help people. It's coming. God's building you up for that time. God's bringing you to that place. And that's all I got to say. With 30 seconds or so to a minute, Stephanie, close up. I think God's preparing a lot, a lot of people listening to this today for what's next, the next step in their lives. Well, I would say um, come to that place that Joseph came to as he went through his trials of life. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Don't lose your excellent spirit. Keep, you know, stay dependent on the Lord. So like Joseph, like Daniel, like David, no matter what fiery trial you're in, keep your eyes on the end goal, and that is that Christ be honored and glorified. And keep your affection set on things above, and let God do that perfecting work. Walk humbly before him, because he is going to bring you forth as gold. He will use you for his honor and glory, and you will make a difference in this world for him. And there it is right there. Take heart, folks. God has something for you. In the midst of these trials, something great is coming. Not only does it work with patience, it works uh, maturity, it works all that. Hey, listen, in just a minute, Brother Eric, uh, as he does the production, Brother Eric's going to share a gospel message with you. I want you to listen to every word. There's nothing more important to any of us 
doing this production than to know for sure that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And from that, we can keep on moving on and going through the book of Psalms. Hey, we love you, folks. You've honored us. Thank you for this time. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.